It is great to be with you today as we wrap up this series called Busted, looking at the tragic life of Samson. I appreciate Pastor Steve being down in Austin, speaking to our real life campuses in Austin, Hayes, and Corpus. And I'm just glad I'm not in Austin today. I don't like hanging around depressed people, <laughs> especially after the game last, uh, last night. I, you know, I know they only lost by seven touchdowns, so... Um, <laughs> Just be praying for, for them, okay? Uh, we need some good news. Let's turn to the Bible, Judges. Uh, turn in your Bibles to Judges. If you don't have a Bible, uh, our key verses are actually gonna be on the back of that worship guide. Also, if you take notes, I hope you do, you can uh, follow along uh, through the message by taking notes today. Uh, while you're finding Judges chapter 14, let me just say it was encouraging to spend time with our off-site campus pastors, those who lead our other sites as one church in more than one location, just to hear the incredible things that God is doing across our church family. I'll share one with you just to brag on what God's doing on the Forney campus. Are you ready for this? Two weeks ago, the Forney campus baptized 19 people, went public with their faith in Jesus Christ. Congratulations to Forney. I just wanna welcome you guys, all the Lake Point campuses, those connecting over the internet, and we are so glad God is working among all of us as one church in more than one location. Today, the message as we wrap up this series is called Make Up Your Mind, Lust, or Love. You see, Samson, we think he was a strong man, but really he was weak because he never dealt with the weaknesses in his life, and we've been looking at those one at a time, and today we're gonna look at the very obvious one that Samson struggled with and never dealt with, Lust, And it's very obvious when you look at Judges chapter 14, and we're just gonna read the first two verses. And notice what it says. It says, one day when Samson was in Timnah, by the way, this is as a young man, one of the Philistine women, here's how lust works, caught his eye. Notice that statement, he caught his eye. And returned home, he told his father and mother, he hadn't forgotten about what he saw. This is the way lust works. A young Philistine woman in Timnah, there it is again, caught my eye. And I wanna marry her, now that sounds very noble, like he's trying to do things the right way, but in the original Hebrew, this guy is on a selfish agenda for sure, and you can pick up on it in the next phrase. Notice what it says, get her for me. Now ladies, isn't that romantic? (laughs) Get her for me. Hey, when you come home, pick up some milk, pick up some bread, and a woman. (laughs) Oh, get her for me. Uh, Let me give you a definition of lust that I think will help us as we walk through the message today and look at Samson's life. Lust says, I see it, I want it, and I can't change, I can't help it. I see it, I I want it, and I can't help it, I can't change. Samson definitely dealt with lust, and he never dealt with it. He never faced his lust head on. And because of that, chapter 14 is a young man. You can watch this over and over again. It's a cycle in his life, and it ends up with the more familiar story in chapter 15, Delilah. And this lust eventually ruins his life because he never admitted that he struggled. He dealt with lust. Now, when I think about Samson, of course, I think about the biblical story, but every time I hear the name Samson, I think about my dog, okay? I have a dog named Samson. Now, uh, speaking of dogs, listen, if you're gonna get a dog, here's my theory, get a dog, okay? My wife does not have a dog. She's got a five-pound something or another that runs around our house that cats can beat up, okay? That's not a dog. She says it's a dog, and the thing thinks it's a dog, it's not a dog. If you're gonna get a dog, get a dog. Uh, I got a dog, and his name is Samson. Let me just show you a picture of him, you understand. Like, Samson is a dog. (laughs) 
He's a 150-pound Anatolian shepherd, and this picture is of my wife's dad, and obviously he trusts Samson because Samson can bite his hand off and not even think about it. Now, when we moved into a house a couple years ago in Austin, uh, Samson uh, loved the backyard, and he ran around, and he noticed, he's the first one that found out that our neighbor has a pit bull. And they would bark, you know, across the fence, and that's what, that's what dogs do. And they would run along the fence line together, and they would bark and just till they wore each other out. And I guess that's just what dogs do. Now, uh, you know, fast forward a couple of weeks, Samson was just laying out in the backyard. The kids are playing in the backyard. The neighbor's kids are playing in the backyard. And somehow the neighbor's pit bull fit his head underneath the fence and started barking just to his neck. You know, his head was on our side of the, of the fence and Samson was just laying there and all of a sudden before any of us could do anything, Samson jumped up, ran to the fence and put the pit bull's head in his mouth. It was very, very traumatic. All the girls were screaming. My sons were like, cool, that's awesome. And now the pit bull did survive it, just got its head out of Samson's mouth and put its head back into his side of the fence. That pit bull has never stuck his head through our fence again. <laughs> By the time I got over there to get on to Samson for this traumatic event and the fact that our neighbors will never go to real life, actually they do, but anyway, it's a whole miracle story. But when I, when I was getting over to Samson, Samson looked at me as if, what? What did I do? I'm just a dog. I saw it. I wanted it. I put it in my mouth. Okay, well, what's the problem? This is what lust does. Lust reduces us to the level of an animal. Our culture says if you see it and you want it, you can't change, you can't help it, just go for it. Samson never dealt with his lust. And today, let's talk about that. Before we do, though, let's just make sure we realize we need this message. I know some of us, when you saw the title of the message, you're like, of all the days for me to come, it's on lust. Or you may have said, you know what, I don't even struggle with this. I don't even need this kind of message. Maybe because of how your, your definition of lust is kind of narrow. So let me broaden the definition of lust just to make sure we all need the message and we're all gonna pay attention. And we, learn from the bad example of Samson. So let's just back away and let's broaden it and let's just talk about social media. Can you actually get addicted and lust after social media? Now, I'm just gonna put this on the screen. This will be fun. It's Labor Day weekend. Let's try something different. And so let me just show you this. Percentage of Americans, when asked, said, I am addicted to social media. They admitted they're addicted. I want you to tell your neighbor, all the campuses, please participate. Turn and tell your neighbor what you think this percentage is. What number? do you think this is? How many of us are addicted to social media? I see it, I want it, can't change. A lot of good guesses out there. You ready for this? 45%. Now, that means that 40% more are lying, okay? That's what that means. We have got an epidemic on our hand because if we see it, and we want it, we gotta know if they like it and we wanna like them because I wonder if they like us and then we wanna be friends and then we put it on Snapchat, everything goes crazy. Computer World Magazine said this, it said that when Americans, about social media, we actually are so fixated on it, we spend an average of 16 minutes of every waking hour looking at social media. That's crazy. You know, but you may say, well that's just not my struggle. I do not lust after Facebook. I don't lust after Snapchat. I could take it or leave it. Okay. Let's talk about stuff. You know, impulse buying. You know, by a show of hands, how many of you guys have ever walked into Walmart with one thing to get and walked out with three or four things? Has this ever happened to you? Yeah, you walk in and you, you know what you want to get, but you see it and you want it. And it's only $9.99 and you don't know what you're going to do with it, but it glows in the dark. 
So surely it'll help be helpful. Now this is not necessarily bad, but when you do this a lot, you go over your budget, which leads me to my next you know, statistic here. What percentage of Americans admitted that they have credit card debt? In other words, they're not paying off their credit card at the end of the month because they see it, they want it, and they couldn't afford it, but they got it anyway. Tell your neighbor what you think this number is. What percentage of us are struggling with stuff? A lot of guesses out there, all right? According to this statistic, this survey, 50%. So half of us, half of us admit that we see it, we want it, we can't afford it, and we're buying things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't even like. And we're lusting after the stuff, all right? You say, well, that's not my struggle at all. I mean, I don't have credit card debt. Uh, I'm very generous to the church. I pay cash for everything. Okay, how about food? (laughs) Have you noticed how many advertisements are food? Have you noticed in the commercials that the food has a spotlight on it and it rotates around, (laughs) you know? And it has all these blinking lights, like you gotta get this, you gotta have this, and the dessert's only $3.99 and all those kind of things. Which leads to this st- statistic. What percentage of Americans would you, would you say are overweight? In other words, they're over their ideal healthy weight. Now before we give the answer to this, let me just say, don't, please don't be offended. I know some people, medically, it's just an issue, okay? For many more though, it's just the uncontrollable appetites we have to see want. Okay, so just tell your neighbor what you think this number is. How many of us are overweight? All right, ready for this? 60%, okay? So 60%, so over half of us are struggling with, I see it, I want it, and that dessert's amazing, okay? It's three feet tall and it is just great, okay? This is fantastic. Do we need this message? We do. We live in a culture that says if you see it and you want it, you can't help it. Now, most of us think of the word lust, and most of the time in, in the Old Testament, it's definitely used for the sexual lust that's a wrong desire which, which distorts reality and takes us away from God's plan for sex. Now, let me just remind us, God thought sex up. It's his idea. All married people should thank God for that, okay? However, what lust does is it takes God's idea out of context, distorts it, twists it into a selfish agenda, and that's where Samson lived his whole life. And it was very unsatisfying and very distorted, and it ended up ruining his life. Now, I could give you a lot of sad statistics about this particular area of lust, but let me share with you the most sad thing I'm gonna say during this whole message. And I'm gonna get you to guess it. What percentage of children between eight and 16 years old are viewing pornography online? I want you to tell your neighbor what you think this number is. Just how pervasive is this? Eight to 16 year olds. You ready for this? 90%. 90%. We have gotta wake up to the reality that just like Samson, we live in a lust-filled culture that is actually permeating everything around us. When I was looking at that this week, the pornography industry's revenue is greater than Apple, Google, Netflix, eBay, and Amazon combined. We're all excited about football getting started, 
The revenue from the pornography industry is greater than all NFL franchises put together, all NBA franchises put together, and all Major League Baseball franchises, all of those combined. 35% of every download and every click on a computer is pornographic. And just in, think, just in case you think this is some kind of just male issue, one out of every three people viewing pornography is female. We live in a lust-filled culture. No matter what your area of, I see it, I want it, I, I can't change, I can't help it, is we can change. But first we have to realize everybody struggles. Samson reminds us that everyone struggles. Everyone is struggling with something. Everyone listening to me is, and the guy talking to you is, and we've gotta to come to a place. Samson never admitted it. He thought it was strong to admit, look, I'm perfect, I can handle everything, but strength doesn't come from acting like you're perfect. Strength comes from admitting you're not. It comes from saying everybody struggles. I love how the scripture says it. The scripture says it this way. I'll put it on the screen for you. It says everybody struggles with something. 1 Corinthians 10, the wrong desires, that's lust, that come into your life, they're not anything new. Listen, whatever you're struggling with, it's not new and different. Many others have faced exactly the same problems before you, and no temptation is irresistible. We are all struggling. We're bombarded in this lust-filled culture. We've got to step back and at least admit that. It's so easy to read about Samson and point at Samson and say, what's wrong with this guy? You see, Samson, does this sound familiar, by the way? This says nothing's new. No struggles new. Samson was supposed to be a great leader for God's people, for everybody to look up to, but because of his struggles, he became a laughing stock, not only to God's people, but everybody who didn't believe in God. Does this sound familiar? Are you guys with me? Samson would have been caught on Ashley Madison's website. Look at Samson, I can't believe he's lusting. Everybody struggles. We've gotta step back and say, you know what? I struggle, because there's strength in that admission. Everybody struggles and everybody needs help. Samson never ever admitted, you know what, I need help. I need somebody to help me. He thought he could do it on his own. He thought he could be so independent, but in his independence he became weak. He thought he could handle everything by himself, and in that attempt to do it on his own, he found a huge struggle and it ruined his life. You see, as Christians, we need to step back and say, wait a minute, Christ is my strength. And first and foremost, we need the strength of Christ. Let me put Philippians 4.13 on the screen. I'm gonna ask all the campuses, would you guys read this with me? Let's say this verse together. What does it say? I can do all things through Christ because he gives me strength. Isn't that a great promise? How many of you guys have heard that verse before? It is an awesome verse. Tim Tebow wears it underneath his eyes when he plays. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And for some of you today, you need this truth. It is not willpower that'll help you to change. It is God's power in you. You can't do it on your own. Christ is your strength. And if you've been trying to live life on your own or to overcome the weaknesses in your life without Jesus, you came today to hear that you need him. Samson was weak because he never admitted he needed a connection with God. He was so far from God, he didn't realize he didn't have a connection at all. Paul was a strong Christian, the Apostle Paul, but he was a strong Christian because he admitted his weakness and he told where his strength come from and he said, I can do all things through Christ because he gives me strength. But the next verse, most of us don't know that one. But it was good that you helped me when I needed it. You see what Paul says? He says, I need Jesus. I need his strength, but I need you too. I need your help. And so many of you are getting this, that we need Christ and we need community. 
And let me just share with you some great news. We've been emphasizing life groups all through the month of August, and this August we have 1,200 more people in life groups than we did this time last year. 1,200 more people are connecting. It's awesome news. And by the way, there's still room for you. But we're saying, listen, we need Jesus and we need connection. We need a small group. As we get larger, we wanna get smaller because we all need help. In real life, we're all struggling. And Samson never came to that admission. He never said, I need help. And it's really important to say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me and to find that faith, but also to say, I need others. Because what other people do is they point out those little things before they become huge. Because little things make a big difference. And Samson never dealt with this weakness called lust. Now, let me just give you a couple of funny examples about this, okay? It would have been helpful at this Microsoft convention to actually notice what laptop was being used to do the presentation. (laughs) Somebody could have come alongside and said, hey, I know you're excited about your presentation, but since this is a Microsoft, keyword Microsoft convention, we might not wanna use your Apple laptop to do the presentation. (laughs) Pirates of the Caribbean movie, uh, the whole trilogy, this is actually a still shot from the movie. It would have been helpful to say, hey, your Adidas tag is showing out of your cool pirate scarf. Pirates don't shop at Walmart. You're not holding up to what your image is. You might wanna deal with that tag. You need a friend to help you along and say, you know what, we all need help. Now, somebody sent this to me this week and I just had to work it in and hopefully this works right here, but this is why women live longer than men. (laughs) There you go, you're welcome. The, the sad part is not this guy's jumping out of a second story window on a broom. The sad part is, who's the guy on the pool deck? That is not your friend. If you say, hey, I'm gonna jump out of the second story window on a broom, cool. That is not your friend. We need people who will help us and say, don't do it. It's a great shot. For one second, you'll have a blast. Then you're gonna ruin your life, okay? We need people to come alongside of us and help. And that's why today I'm hoping you make up your mind and say, you know what? Everybody struggles, so welcome to this church because we welcome everyone and we accept you where you are and say whatever you've been through, whatever you've done, wherever you're coming from, you're welcome here. And here's the big idea of the day. What if we, listen, if you're gonna live the life that God desires you to live, what if we stopped using the energy we use to hide the fact that we struggle and instead use that energy to make up our mind that in this lust-filled culture, we're gonna live a life of love, say, well, how do I do that? And whatever your struggle is, whether it's food or uh, with your health or with money or with debt or with social media or pornography, whatever your struggle is, I wanna share with you with the time we have left how you can make up your mind to change. As a matter of fact, let me put this verse on the screen, Psalm 119, verse 112. And I'm gonna ask you to read it with me. Last verse I'm gonna ask you to read with me. But it's so powerful what the psalmist says here. And let's say it together. I've made up my mind to obey your laws forever, no matter what. I'm hoping that you do this today. No matter what your struggle has been today, I'm gonna make up my mind, and this is gonna be a turning point for me, and I'm gonna make up my mind that I'm gonna follow God's laws no matter what happens from this moment on. So how do I do that? Let me share with you, in the time we have left, three very simple ways that whatever you're lusting after, and seeing, I see it, I want it, I can't help it, You can change today. So here's the first one, be specific. If you really wanna overcome what you are struggling with, be specific about it. Don't leave here and say, I'm gonna be a better person when I will, what does that mean? 
Don't, don't walk out of here and say, I'm gonna be a stronger Christian. That's a great commitment, but what does it mean? General commitments never lead to specific victories. You've got to be specific and say, this is what I struggle with, and this is how I'm going to protect my life, and this is how I'm going to overcome it. Be specific. Most of us know about Job in the Bible as a man of suffering, but Job chapter 1 says that Job was a righteous man in the sight of people and upright in the sight of God. He was a godly man, and he was strong even in his suffering because he knew what his weaknesses were. And he was real about that. In Job chapter 31, verse 1, it's a great verse for guys to memorize and for all of us to know. But it says this. Job got specific. Look at what he says. Job says, I have, watch this, made a covenant with my eyes. Samson never did that. Samson, if the woman caught his eye, he was like, hey, I'm, I can't help it. I mean, I can't, I see it. I want I can't change. He says, I'm going to make a covenant that it's, it starts with my eyes. It's going to stop there. I made a covenant with my eyes. I'm not going to look with lust at a young woman. That's very specific. It's like Billy Graham, the great evangelist, said. He said, it's not the first glance that gets you. It's that long second look. Job is saying, I'm not gonna do that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna guard what my eyes look at, and this is not just a man issue. I read a very sad study this week of Michigan State University studied uh, women, and by the time a woman, by the time a teenage girl turns 18, she has not guarded her eyes so much that just on the television she's watched and the movies she's watched, she's seen over 1,500 sex acts, and 94% of those are not with married people. If what we put in our eyes is gonna affect our hearts and lives, we've gotta say, you know what, from this moment on, be specific, I'm gonna guard my eyes. You say, well, that's not my struggle. Well, whatever your struggle is, if you deal with impulse buying, be specific and say, I am not gonna get on Amazon Prime anymore. It is so easy to click, there it shows up, it's so awesome. I just can't do it right now. If your struggle is alcohol, so you know what, I'm not gonna go to this part of town, I'm not gonna go to this bar. There might even be a few places you can't go to watch the game because your struggle is so real at that moment. I'm gonna get specific about my victory in that area. Maybe it's food. Maybe there's certain drive-throughs you are not gonna go through for a while because they always ask you if you're going to, do you wanna make that larger? Do you wanna get a dessert with that? Uh, maybe there's a certain restaurant and they've got this huge thing that glazes over, comes with a huge thing of ice cream and you know, three people could eat it, but you're by yourself. Not gonna go there right now. Be specific about it and then find an accountability partner to help you with that. Now when I say accountability partner, some of you just cringed because you have a wrong view of accountability. You think an accountability partner is someone who shows up at your life every day and says, you're not lusting again, are you? Stop lusting, I can't believe you're doing that. That is not an accountability partner, that's a very weird person, okay? <laughs> it's not that person. An accountability partner, watch the difference, is somebody that you come up to, it's not even a group, it's a handful of people, maybe just one or two people in your life, and you say, you know what, I need to tell you what God's saying to me. This is how God's dealing with my heart, and God's showing me that in order to become all he wants me to be, I need to be real about this struggle, and let me tell you specifically how he's telling me to deal with that. Can you ask me a question when I see you about that and see how I'm doing in my progress? You see the difference? I had a guy in one of my life groups a couple of weeks ago come up to me after the group, not even in the group, after the group, and he said, I finally figured out where I struggle with lust the most. He says, it's when I go work out at the gym. 
He said women are not wearing what they should be to work out at the gym. That's a whole other sermon, but he said that's, that's what's happening. And he said, I need you to ask me specifically where my eyes are looking when I go to the gym. And I don't wanna look at a woman's body parts anymore. I want my eyes to, to bounce over to some, like a piece of equipment or something. I, I don't wanna do that. And when a woman walks up to me, I wanna look right in her eyes and nowhere else. And that's specific. And if you wanna overcome the lust that you have, whatever your struggle is, get very specific with it and get specific with one other person that can help you and say, you know what? You probably don't wanna jump out of a second story window with that broom. Let me help you. Be specific. And then here's the second one. Be realistic about it. Can we just be realistic today that you're going to struggle? You're going to have something that, that causes you to be weak. And Samson never admitted it. He thought he could handle everything. I don't struggle, I, I'm strong, I can do anything. Samson thought he could play with fire and never get burned. But we need to step back and say, you know what? We can all fall. That's what the scripture warns us about in 1 Corinthians 10. It says this, it says, don't be so naive and so self-confident. You're not exempt, no one is. Just like Samson, listen, you could fall flat on your face as easily as anybody else. My version of this verse is, we're all one step away from stupid. I mean, we really are. We're all one step away from embarrassing ourselves and God and everyone else. And we've gotta be very specific and realistic that we could fall. Gordon MacDonald was a great Christian leader uh, of InterVarsity Fellowship, an international ministry. And in his recent book, he laments about a time in his life when he was interviewed while he was uh, on the top of his game and the, the leading this great Christian organization. He was asked this question, how could Satan get you to fall or tempt you to fall? And he said, my answer, I regret it to this day was, well, there's a lot of ways he can make me fall, but it'll never be in my marriage. He said, I regret that statement now to this day. And, and let me quote from what he said. He said, he said, um, a few years after making that very prideful statement, my whole world broke apart. A chain of seemingly innocent choices became destructive, and it was my fault, choice by choice by choice, each easier to make, each becoming gradually darker, until my whole world broke apart. And everything I predicted wouldn't happen was a world I had to rebuild. And then he quotes from Oswald Chambers, my utmost for his highest, he says, I quote, an unguarded strength is actually a double weakness. When we're not realistic about what we could struggle with or what we do, it's not strength, it's weakness that brings us there. So let's be realistic, we're all gonna struggle, and let's be realistic about how we come out of that struggle. I love what Jesus said in the Lord's Prayer. He says, give us this day our daily bread. We've all heard that verse, but the key words there are daily and us. You're gonna do this one day at a time, and it's not about perfection, it's about progress. It's not about being perfect from this moment on, but what direction you're gonna head. It's not perfection, it's which direction are you gonna head when you walk out of here, when you're done with this message. Where are you gonna go from here? And it's gonna be a daily, daily thing, one day at a time, and the key word there is us, you need other people. Be realistic, you need other people to help you with that. A couple of summers ago, my son and I, we actually climbed Mount Kilimanjaro. It's the tallest mountain in Africa, it's over 19,000 feet, and it's definitely very ominous when you see it and you're about to climb it. And when we looked at that mountain, the guide told us, listen, if you just hang with me, you're actually gonna see a glacier that's three stories tall on top of this mountain. And let me tell you how we got to this top of this mountain. Very slowly. We did not run to the top of this mountain. It was, it was a daily thing. Let me tell you how you're gonna get to where God wants you to go one day at a time. It took us five days to get to the top. 
Let me tell you how else we got there. We went with a group of people. If I wasn't with a group of people, I would not have made it to the top. Once your gear gets rained on, then it all freezes. It's not fun anymore. I wanted to go home. I wanted you know, a soft mattress. I did not want to be there. But other people saying, hey, we can do this. We can do this together. And I just said, listen, I'm struggling. I don't want to, I don't know if I could, you can do this. We've got this. And after a long period of time, we found our way there. Listen, you can be pure. You can get out of debt. You can be healthy. You can go from this moment to a greater, but be realistic about it. Every day when you wake up, God, help me today. Give me today what I need, and give me the people I need around me. That's what this church is all about. And God, one day I will become all you want me to be because I'm moving that way. Samson never did that. He gave up way before he started, and he never made it to where God wanted him to go. So be specific, be realistic, but please be this. Be optimistic. You can do this. I want you to walk out of here today and say, you know what, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. All things, yes, all things. I can get out of debt. I can be healthy. I can be a spiritual leader. I can be a pure person. I can guard my integrity. I can do all things. So where is it gonna start? How am I gonna get there? Be optimistic and decide today, I'm gonna make up my mind that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I love how Paul says it also in Philippians. He doesn't just say I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, but he tells us how we overcome our lustful culture. He says you gotta make up your mind. He says as I close this letter, let me just say this one more thing. Make up your mind. He says it this way, fix your thoughts on what is true and good and right. He says make up your mind. Think about things from this moment on that are pure. How are you gonna be a pure person? How are you gonna be a pure teenager? How are you gonna be a, a pure man of God? By thinking pure thoughts and lovely thoughts. Dwell on the fine and good things in others. Make up your mind. Think about all you can praise God for. How am I gonna get out of debt? I'm gonna think about what God's given me and be grateful for that and be content with it. Think about all you can praise God for and be glad about it. Did you notice the secret to personal change? It's not willpower. It's not a gimmick, it's not a self-help book. He says, make up your mind. You see, how you think determines how you feel determines what you're gonna act on. And if I'm acting depressed, it's because I feel depressed, and I'm feeling depressed because I'm thinking depressed thoughts. And bad behavior always has to its root bad beliefs. And so today, let's change our beliefs. We don't have to live in this lust-filled culture and just get in on what they're doing. We don't have to see it and want it. I can't change, I can't help it. Let me give you another definition. We can live a life of love, and it has nothing to do with us. It's everything to do with God. Love is God sees me. He sees me in all my imperfections, all my regrets, all my mistakes, all my failures, all my weaknesses, and he loves me. And because of his love, when I connect to him in a personal way, I can change because he is the one who changes me. This is good news today. The good news today is you don't have to leave here and say, I'm just gonna try harder. If you leave here and say, I'm just gonna try harder, I know I got this this time, you're gonna be very frustrated. Do you wanna try harder or do you wanna trust him? Those are your options. Trust him today. Do you wanna depend on your own strength? I can do this, I just, just need to dig deeper and try harder. Or do you wanna depend on God today and his love for you? Don't wake up tomorrow and say, I've got this, I can do this, I, I can do it this time. Wake up tomorrow and say, God, you love me and you see me and I thank you that because of your love, I can change and I will change and today will be different and I will have victory. 
Great news for you today is no matter who you are, what you've been through, or where you've been, God loves you. It's not an accident that you're here. And you came to this place because he wants you to know he knows everything you've ever done, everything you've ever been through. And he loves you. And his love is what changes our lives. We can all relate to the struggle of Samson. Even Paul says it very articulately in Romans chapter seven. He says, I wanna do what's good, but I don't. Can you relate to this? I mean, I wanna do what's good, but I don't. I, I, I don't wanna do what's wrong. I'd do that anyway. What a miserable way to live. What a miserable person Samson was. What a miserable person I am. Who's gonna free me from this life that's dominated by sin and by death? You see, all of us have found ourselves in a hole in this lustful culture, and how do we get out of that hole? I can still remember when I was stuck in that hole. Let me just tell you the difference between religion and Christianity. Religion walks by the hole that we're all stuck in and says, hey, you're stuck in a hole. Well, thank you very much, religion, I appreciate that. I'm already guilty, okay? Yep, there you are, you're stuck there. Hey, you know what, I'm gonna give you five things you need to start doing to get out of that hole. That's what religion does. Some religions give you seven things to do. Some religions give you 10 things to do. Some religions give you three books to read, okay? Read all three of those books. Some religions want you to meditate yourself out of the hole. Just close your eyes and meditate and you will be out of the hole. Meditate out of the hole. That didn't work. Some religions walk by and say, you're not really in a hole. You're not really there. Just close your eyes. That didn't work. You open up your eyes, you're in a hole. I can still remember the day when Jesus walked by my life and he looked in there and he said, hey, you're in a hole. He took off his heavenly royalty and he stepped into the hole with me, into the muck and the mire and the sin, the lust of this culture in my life and he said, I love you and through the cross he lifted me out of the hole and he said, you can change. My love can change you. And through the cross, he forgave me, gave me a new way to live, lifted me out of the hole and said, through the power of my resurrection, you can have the same power to live in freedom for the rest of your life through my forgiveness and grace and peace. And he lifted me out of the hole. And all of a sudden, I'm changed. And all of a sudden, I can lean into that grace every day and find another way to live. A life group leader walked up to me between services and he said, I hand everybody these three nails when I have the opportunity my life group does. And he said, I carry these three nails in, in my pocket and it reminds me what Jesus did for me. It reminds me what Jesus is doing for me. It reminds me what Jesus will do for me one day. That's what we're talking about today. Jesus has changed everything and because of his sacrifice and his love, I can change. That's what Paul says. He doesn't leave us with this depressed news that we can't change. We're miserable people. He says, no, no, Jesus stepped into the hole he finishes out his lament with great news, and I want you to read it with me. It's Romans 7, verse 25. Let's say this together. Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? That's great news today. We don't have to stay in the hole. I want you to know if you're here today and you say, you know what, I wish I had had this news, but you don't know how far I've been, what's happened, or how much my life has been ruined. I've got great news for you. Today's a new day. You can be pure from this day forward. You can start in a new direction today through Jesus Christ. Would you allow him to come into your heart? He sees you. He knows everything you're doing, everything you've done, and he loves you. Would you make his forgiveness personal and just whisper this prayer, not out loud, just in your heart, in faith, say, Jesus, help me. Forgive me for trying to do things on my own. Thank you for dying on the cross. And just tell him, Jesus, right now, I admit I need you. 
I admit I need your forgiveness. Come into my life and save me. Change me from the inside out. And I want to follow you. That's what being the Lord means. You're my boss, Jesus, from this moment on, every day of my life. Whether you just whispered that prayer, if you've known Jesus for decades, all of us struggle. We get strongholds and weaknesses that maybe even some people don't even know about. Today, would you make a decision as a follower of Christ? I will not give in to the lustful culture in this world and just through this moment of silence, trust him again, find strength in him again, and commit today that you will find freedom. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your love and grace for us. May we not walk out of here with guilt, but with grace, for grace and love is what changes all things. And thank you that today is a new beginning, a turning point for us all. As we seek your help and strength each day, and as we seek the help of others and never give up this community of faith and joining together. Lord, today, thank you that you love us. Thank you for Jesus, and we've got the bad example of Samson, Father, to learn from today. Thank you for the good example of Paul. And may we leave this place with the truth resonating in our lives. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us, and we need each other. So may you bless every marriage and every family, every child and every school and every office and every neighborhood as we go out and resonate, as we walk toward the mountain of godliness and purity in this dark world. May we push back the darkness with the light and the love that shines through us and the freedom that we know in Jesus Christ. For we ask it all in his name and everyone said, amen. Let's give God a hand for his grace and his truth today. Amen.